Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and as always, I am joined by... Adam from Back Patio Network. And we are here to do something still a little bit different as we're waiting on my hero to come back around to uh, blessing us with anime episodes. We are catching up on my hero adjacent stuff that we are still equally as clueless uh, and new to. Um, And so we are digging into Vigilantes Volume 1 today. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think we read the first full volume, but we're only going to discuss the first four chapters today. Yeah, it seemed like the fourth chapter kind of ended at a natural place and the fifth one started to move in a new direction. Um, so we thought that we would just kind of take it in what we felt like was a manageable bite and felt like a digestible portion uh, of the story and also give you more than just like the first chapter, which would be kind of, you know, insignificant. Um, but we, uh, we're digging into Vigilantes. If you don't know what this is, this is a spinoff um, from the original My Hero manga. It is, uh, of course, based on Horikoshi's stuff, but it is uh, written and drawn by others. Uh, the writer is Hideyaku Furuhashi. I'm sure I'm going to mess these names up. And then uh, artist is Betancourt. Uh, it is set prior to the events of My Hero, as we as we know and love it. Um, so while we see characters that we're familiar with, we are seeing them in the past before their initial introductions in the series that we now know and love. It is also a little darker, I would think. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, it is. And uh, once again, I'm reading it from a website that may have translated just a little bit differently because I noticed there was a lot of cursing in mine again as well. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, the the volume that I've got in my hand has any swearing in it. But there is some pretty dark content um, mm-hmm, in one of sure. the chapters. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of got this real gritty feel to it. It reminds me a lot, even just the way that one of the main characters, uh, Knuckle Duster, looks. It it reminds me a lot of uh, Sin City. It's just kind of got this Sin City feel to it. Okay, it's interesting that you would say that because as I was doing a little br- a bit of research on the writer. Um, one of the things that he had said he was heavily influenced by were things like uh, were artists like Alan Moore and Frank Miller, oh, wow. both of whom that's are known for some pretty gritty stuff, including well, really Sin funny City. Because Knuckle Duster reminds me of uh, the Dark Knight's Batman, so that's totally on point. In fact, I even told my wife if I had to cast Knuckle Duster, it would probably be uh, the most recent Batman with um, I always forget Ben his Affleck. Name. Ben Affleck, yeah, because that was the most Dark Knight esque. Dark Knight that I know of. I mean, that just he sh- he seemed so much like the Dark Knight in the original uh, comic. So uh, that's who I would have cast as Knuckle Duster. And if we are ever going to do it, call yeah. it now. <laughs> I do think that um, there is there's been some kind of compare and contrast between Vigilantes and My Hero in that All Might. And I tweeted about this today on the Twitter account. So I'm glad you're still following and reading there, Adam. But um, All Might gets <laughs> likened to Superman. And Knuckle Duster gets likened to Batman, and there are a lot of similarities both in tone and in appearance. Some you could even argue to a degree power set, um, and mm-hmm. so there's there's an interesting. It's I'm glad that it doesn't feel exactly like my hero. If I'm being honest, I mean we love my hero, um, but it's kind of cool to see, you know, the scratched up side of Two Faces coin a little bit. Um, Absolutely, not, yeah. Not transition into reading something that makes us feel like we're pulling for villains, um, but but kind of walking that line. I mean, that's what a vigilante is. It's somebody who is working outside of the law. In fact, uh, the detective that we know from my hero, Sukauchi or Sukoichi, I don't remember um, how we pronounce that probably inconsistently and poorly, but uh, he he's on record in these chapters saying that what they're doing is illegal, but you still can pull for them because what they're doing is also right in a sense. So um, you do have kind of a foot in both worlds with uh, with this unique approach, this vigilante approach. Yeah, and I don't know if your copy of Vigilantes has uh, the zero chapter in it, but I, on the website there was a zero chapter that was only like 13 pages long, and it, it kind of just showcased the new characters for this spinoff, and in it is Aizawa explaining what a vigilante is, and he says that anyone that participates in being a vigilante is a, is committing heinous crimes nobody should imitate them and in fact there's this funny scene where like 
the three vigilantes that we kind of follow in the main series are standing there next to Aizawa. And he's like, in fact, I think I'll call the police on all three of you. And they just kind of skitter off. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was, it was crazy though, seeing Aizawa say like, these people are technically doing good, but they're technically evil villains as well because they are breaking the law. Yeah. The closest, I don't have that uh, chapter zero in volume one, but we do get something similar right at the beginning of chapter four from present Mike, who, uh, at the end of a little bit of a discourse on what a vigilante is, he's like, are they allies of justice, criminals, crazy fools, heroes? It's up to you to decide. And I think that that is, that's very meta. It is for us. Uh, we we come to this book and we, we're obviously probably going to be primed to side with uh, the, the quote unquote protagonist, the main characters that we're going to be exposed to, but there's also probably going to be cause for times where we disagree with their tactics. Um, and I like that too. In fact, there's a time in here where, uh, I think that knuckle duster goes a little hard, you know? Um, and, uh, I think, I think Suko, Suko Ichi comments on that too, but we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that when it comes up. How about let's, let's jump right into uh, chapter one, which is called I'm here. And, um, as Adam and I discovered with, with Glee, um, right before we started recording, chapter one of Vigilantes is almost exactly like My Hero Academia chapter one. I mean, it is uncanny down to like, I sent a screen cap of the very end of chapter one of My Hero and told Adam, now compare this to one of the last images in Vigilantes chapter one. And it, they're they're exactly the same. It's just characters are different. I'll, I'll post a side-by-side comparison on the Twitter when this goes live. So if you if you are familiar with chapter one of My Hero, you totally get chapter one of Vigilantes because it's the same thing. It really is. You pretty much just have to sub out the characters. Uh, but it was still fun to read it. I mean, it's still great. Like, they introduced three main characters in what, like 47 pages, and they do it in a really great way where you pretty much right off the bat, you get how this is going to go. And it, it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to reading more of these. Yeah, and it starts off kind of with the talk about, you know, quirks and how they work and heroes. And um, oddly enough, there's like this splash of one of the main characters, Koichi, who is kind of he's flanked by a bunch of heroes um, kind of in like grayscale behind him. And one of them is the manual, uh, the, the hero manual who is uh, Ida's uh, mentor during the uh, inter internships thing. And I was like, what in the world is he doing in here? It's such a weird c inclusion. I wanted to know like what he was ranked in the heroes uh, ranking. And according to the wiki, he's hero number 222, but he totally ranks because <laughs> he's right here in this manga. I thought that's a weird inclusion. Well, it's also really weird because he's standing next to like some of the top here, like Endeavor and All Might's there, you know. So, I mean, they're they're pulling people from all over that ranking chart. I mean, Vlad King is there. I wonder where he ranks. I don't know. I mean, but there's there's a couple of splashes where they handpick heroes that are odd. Like one of the first ones in this chapter um, has a bunch of uh, like of the faculty as we know them from UA, and then you have Danger Fist or Power Fist, whatever that guy's name is. What's that dude's name? Um, Death Hands. Death Hands, that's it. It's just it's just like one of these things is not like the other. It's like there's that game going on in some of these uh, panels of vigilantes. Yeah. But uh, we're introduced to Koichi, Koichi Haimawari, uh, who's 19 years old, and apparently he's running late, so he activates his quirk. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so he's got like what they call the sliding quirk, so he can slide across. Initially, I thought it was just ground, but you later find out that I guess it's really anything, like as long as he's touching it with three points of his body. So he kind of gets down on this like three-point stance, and he's gearing up to, you know, take off. And it's it's really funny because there are people around him that are like, oh, wow, look at that. It's a... Uh, a fast quirk or a speed quirk that's pretty nifty and then he takes off and it's like he's barely moving and he then he says something like oh, i can only get to about the speed of a bike and so he just conveniently rides his you know i guess uses his quirk to slide down the uh the alley here and then a cop pulls him over and is like you really shouldn't do that you're not allowed to use your quirk in fact if you don't mind just use a bike please no no use of quirks <laughs> on public roads laws and act here <laughs> so yeah, he's like oh, funny crap so it's not even like a great quirk, it doesn't seem like. And I mean, I feel like we find out later on that he could accelerate faster, but he has no brakes in place. So what's one to do, right? Yeah, he just doesn't feel safer at some of those higher speeds right now. And I think, I can't remember if it was in this chapter or if it's in a later chapter, but I think it was at the beginning of this one. He does a really good, good job of explaining that 
when the quirks came about, you know, like all of a sudden everybody was extraordinary, but the people that were already normal were still pretty normal. Like most people just got normal quirks. The pro heroes, the ones that we've all been exposed to, were the ones that were already going to be the outliers anyways. You know, they were the ones that were already going to be your pro football players or whatever. So it was just kind of an interesting spin on it because we're used to only seeing pro heroes. So we think everybody's quirk should be grandiose when in reality, they're probably more like this, right? Right. And um, he leaves the cops and is kind of insulting the cop about, I mean, it's an important line. It's not a throwaway line. He's like, I'm not the kind of people that you need to be you know, arresting or, you know, stopping. He's just using his quirk harmlessly and he isn't paying attention, bumps into a group of thugs um, who tell them that they're, he's basically about to, they're, they're about to kick the crap out of him. So Tsukoichi gets down in this very prostrate, like bowed position. And when one of them goes to stomp on him, he uses his ultimate move, which is called kowtow evasion and starts sliding away from them backwards. (laughs) And it's super funny. Like he's just like, assumes this position and then just hightails it out of there. And he's able, even though he's only moving at the speed of a bike, he's able to uh, outpace these, these goons who are uh, sprinting at him. So at least he's got that much going to him, uh, going for him. Uh, But it was a really, it's a really comical scene, seeing him slide away backwards uh, and he bumps. It's kind of like sluggish looking, at least in mine, it like leaves a little trail where he came from. Uh, so it's yeah. also called uh, groveling dodge in my in my translation. I thought that was pretty funny. Nice. Well, he comes upon a like a uh, like a sidewalk uh, performance by somebody who is named Popstep, who is labeled as the self-styled freelance idol Popstep, um, and she's given this performance, and she is very scantily clad. Um, like butts hanging out everywhere. Apparently her quirk is to, uh, just to jump. So she's boinging around on all these pages, much to the, uh, immense pleasure of most of the males in the audience, um, who are just obviously just looking up at her. Um, I don't, I don't see anybody really commenting at all about, um, how well she sings anywhere in this manga. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so in my translation, there's a bit where Koichi is walking through and he sees her and he says, her songs aren't even that good. And with that flashy makeup, you can't really see her face, but I guess yeah. the one thing that sticks out and it's got her like flying, you know, up in the air. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's funny. There's, it, I think it was in chapter zero, they introduce her and they've actually got Mineta in the crowd and he's like trying to snap pictures of her. Unsurprising. Yeah. Um, but the cops come, and so she beats feet out of there because she's using her quirk illegally as well. Um, so everybody kind of scatters, and next we see Koichi is working at his day job. Um, he's not a hero. He's just working as like a convenience store clerk. And then the three goons that he managed to elude earlier come into his store, and I guess forcibly remove him because they go from him being behind the counter to being in an alley threatened with uh, spikes coming out of knuckles. Um, from one of these guys. So I guess they just snatch him over the counter and take him outside for a good old beating. Yeah. I mean, it looks that way. And I mean, these things look pretty nasty. One's got like a beef looking quirk, like he beefs up, you know, and then the the guy with spikes was pretty much like a Kirishima mixed with Wolverine. I mean, he, he looks like Kirishima to me. Yeah, he does a bit. He's just got weird, like alien eyes, like the yeah. typical gray alien looking eyes with pupils. And then there's this weird lizard guy, or I mean, he kind of looks like a Pokemon, really. <laughs> yeah, he does. He looks like a, like a gecko or some such. Um, yeah. Well, they give him a butt whooping out in the alley, and he decides that he, in his frustration, he's like, "Tonight's a good night for it," and he dons uh, a, a a hoodie that is styled after All Might, including his like buff Pidgeotto hair spikes. I mean, it's um, and, pretty much like a My Hero hoodie you could buy it at Hot Topic right now. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then he puts on a face mask because um, he's being mindful of social distancing rules as well. And um, he dubs himself Mr. Nice Guy. Is that it's, it's the yeah hero nice guy? Oh, that's funny. He's, he's described as gentleman, which made me think that maybe he had some relation to uh, the gentle cr- uh, criminal. I think, and it, it's it's hard to miss this too. He is heavily styled after Spider Man. Like we've already been yeah. over how Knuckle Duster is basically Superman, um, or Batman. But he is definitely yeah, yeah, Batman. Sorry, um, but he this guy is definitely 
uh, modeled after Spider-Man, including like when he's down in his little sliding pose. It's, it's very reminiscent of Spider-Man. And then yeah, in this absolutely. scene, he's being your friendly neighborhood, Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, doing very street level, you know, um, helping people with directions. And I think that's even something that you can do in one of the newer Spider-Man games <laughs> is like <laughs> give people directions. Or maybe I saw that in uh, in the one of the more recent movies. Um, so he's funny. just friendly street that, level uh, superhero. Did you notice that the girl that he's giving directions to is Inca Midoriya? Yes, I was just about to say that. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool little uh, cameo there. That is pretty fun. Um, so he's he kind of gets beat, um, not beat up, just tired um, after a good night of hard work and bumps back into Pop Step, who tries to hire him to be basically like his assistant. Um, and in the middle of their exchange, those three goons, same three guys uh, show up on the scene and this is where that dark scene happens, man. They grab a hold of um, of Pop Step and are basically like, we're going to have our way with her and then show, like record it and then show it to the whole wide world. And there's like a picture, like a panel in this where it's just a close up of her face where they've got her hands and she's like turned with her, f- uh, like she's pinned up against a wall and there are just tears coming out of her eyes. And I was mm-hmm. just like, that is a dark panel. Like in yeah. this, this whole situation is really dark because they're not... They're not like talking around doing things to her. They're like, we're going to have our way with her and we're going to record it and we're going to put it on the internet. Like they, they aren't, they aren't beating around that bush. They explicitly say that that's what they're going to do. Yeah. In fact, in, in my translation, they even go to the extent of saying like, we're going to strip her naked, you know? So it's, it's very just, they are being super honest. Um, And it gets even worse because they've got, you know, of course, Koichi is there, so he's seeing everything that's going down, and he's going to try to to intervene. And of course, they do this thing that I love, where they have the person like break down what they're going to do, and they show it, so you think it's been done, and then they back up, and it's like, oh, actually, that's how I thought it was going to go down. And then they do it, and it it messes up. I mean, he was going to try to intervene, take out some of these thugs, and save the day, and instead, he like runs into the first thug using his sliding quirk, and the guy pretty much tosses him to the side. And it gets even worse because then they're like, you know, All Might's not going to come for you. And they start just chastising the both of them, telling them like, yeah, we want you to call for All Might. Call for those pro heroes. They're not going to come. Yeah. And Koichi's already 0-2 against these guys pretty much. So, oh, yeah. I mean, he's, well, like he's feeling, three, really. Yeah. So he's, feel, yeah, after this bump in right here. Um, so he's feeling pretty helpless. And then you see this silhouette up, up against a moon, which is kind of reminiscent, uh, reminiscent of All Might. Um, and pretty intentionally so. Um, but then you just see that figure crash down into a bunch of trash bags, and it is most certainly not All Might. But he does say, I'm here, just like yes, All he Might does. would. Yes, he uh, does. And <laughs> he gets up and just starts wrecking face on these guys. <laughs> I mean, just, he's got these, um, this is the the hero, the vigilante, I guess. I don't, I'm sure I'm going to continue to call him heroes, but um, his name is Knuckle Duster, and he's just this jacked old man that's got um, kind of a bandana over his face like Raphael does in the Michael Bay travesty movies. Um, and <laughs> he's got uh, big, giant brass knuckles on his hands, and he puts them to use in this scene and just starts walloping all these people. But then he also <laughs> like starts grabbing tongues. He's like talk- talking crazy almost about wanting to see people's tongues, and he snatches the lizard ones out of his head and starts saying that like, okay, no weird colors, and he's wanting to know if they're taking drugs and all this stuff. We find out later that there's a drug on the market that if you take it, it turns your tongue like a dark color. And so he's out trying to combat that um, that drug's presence on the street. Um, he clears all of these guys. None of these guys were on the drugs. They were just being, uh, you know, jerks um, out here in this alleyway. Yeah, so while he's out looking for drugs, I guess he was up on the building. He must have been watching for a little bit of time because he had seen everything that Koichi had tried to pull off, I mean, unsuccessfully, but he mentions to him, like, hey, you know, like, you've you've got what it takes. Why don't you uh, come with me? Help me with my work. You'll be able to become a real hero. And Koichi's like, ah, no, there's no way I could do that. There's no way that, like, I'm not even interested. And this guy just straight up calls him a liar. He's like, nah, you're totally into this. Uh, and, And he says, well, I could never pass the pro exam. And he's like, well, why is that? And he says uh, uh, 
something about his quirk being weak and, and it's just not enough. And I really like what Knuckle Duster says. He says a powerful quirk and a pro license have absolutely nothing to do with true justice. So he has nothing to, I mean, he, like he doesn't care if you've got a quirk or not, or, a, or even the license. He just thinks that true justice needs to be served and the heroes are not doing it. Uh, so he's trying to recruit this guy, and it's it's funny um, because you can pretty much tell off the bat Koichi kind of has no interest in it at all. Yeah, I think that he's he's trying to get it. Koichi, I mean, is trying to understand where his place is with his quirk because he understands it's not flashy, it's not strong. Um, I mean, it has very limited use, um, but he's feeling intimidated and intimidated and inspired and Tim aspired is, is what I'm going to call it now. Um, <laughs> but he get this moment gets interrupted because Kirishima looking dude stands up and, uh, has pop step still and is threatening to stab her. And then you get a scene that is right out of, you know, Midoriya running in to save Bakugo from the slime monster where he just, you know, he's proven powerless and ineffective over and over and over again, but he still finds himself moving and intervening and doing the hero thing. And uh, then Knuckle Duster is able to kind of clean up things at the end. And this is where you get that scene of uh, that, that I was talking about earlier, where it's like shot for shot straight out of the very end of chapter one of my hero, where Koichi is like down on all fours in front of Knuckle Duster and is looking up at him and he's crying in the left panel. And I mean, it's straight up, an homage to chapter one here at the end. And then the last thing we see in this chapter is um, the three punks uh, bump into this guy in a black suit who has a suitcase that offers them just the medicine that they need, which we're uh, heavily led to believe is this drug that uh, knuckle duster is trying to find. So pretty strong first chapter. I, I, I liked it even more once I, once it clicked for me that it was exactly like my hero chapter one. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty good book into that. It, beforehand, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but then once we realized that, I was like, "Oh man, that's just it." Felt really cool. So then, you want to jump into chapter two here? Yeah, this this is awesome. I I enjoyed chapter two because you really get to it peels back that cover of Knuckle Duster and just how ridiculous this character is. Yeah, so this one is called Take Off, um, and it begins kind of with Knuckle Duster catching uh, Koichi up on trigger and its effects, how it works and uh, the the whole tongue bit and all this stuff. And he, he, he makes this declaration. He's like, you know, so we're, we're going to go around uh, and we'll give those black tongue losers a beat down and get them to tell us who their dealers are. And he has this line where he says, I feel like most people won't be down with the whole show me your tongue thing. The suspicious creeps like that got a knuckle sandwich coming to them. Like he's just gonna, like the way he makes it sound is just like if I ask you to show me your tongue and you say no, I'm gonna beat the crap out of you because you're suspic- you're a suspicious person at that point, which was really really funny to me. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, in fact, that's exactly how it was translated for me. He just says if they're suspicious about it, we beat them up. That's all there is to it. <laughs> and, and that's what Koichi, the next panel is. Is yeah. Koichi thought he was joking. And then he's like, that wasn't a joke. And it shows Knuckle Duster chasing after some people who apparently told them, and reasonably so, that they didn't want to just show the man their tongues. <laughs> yeah, they're like flipping him off in this panel. And so, of course, he's running after them. And uh, Koichi's trying to stop him when Pop Stop or Pop Step is just appears like out of nowhere, I guess. She's been following around because she seems kind of creepy. Like she, in chapter one, she was following around Koichi after he saw her at her live event. So. She's stalking this guy a little bit. Yeah, and she lets him know that like they need to have some finesse and use their brains in approaching this. So she's just like, all you got to do if you're trying to find you know, these pop-up villains is what they start calling them at some point is to just uh, start searching the internet or paying attention to social yeah. media. Like just um, look for the pictures of the pop-up villains happening. And, and while she's showing you know, this to Knuckle Duster and Koichi, Knuckle Duster's like, hey, you, over there, show me your tongue. And it's just some random like guy. like It's just a dude with a briefcase. And you know, so, of course, Koichi jumps in and is like, no, you don't have to do that. You know, don't pay attention to him. And uh, so he, he tries to run off. And, of course, Knuckle Duster knocks this dude's stuff out of his hand. And it's like all these All Might and Endeavor toys, it looked like, I think. They were like dolls of some kind. And so... He wants to beat him up because he thinks that's creepy, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> but the greatest hero of all time intervenes, and I don't mean All Might. Um, Aizawa uh, uses his little bands and wraps up Knuckle Duster's fist, and those two get into a scrap. Um, and during the midst of this fight, um, which is, I mean, it goes pretty well back and forth. I mean, it's, it seems evident that Knuckle Duster has the upper hand when it comes to strength, but... Uh, it's Aizawa, I think, is definitely more agile and trained. 
And at one point, he Aizawa thinks he's figured out what Knuckle Duster's quirk is, so he goes to cancel it, um, but it doesn't seem to work um, because, according to Aizawa, we learn this a little bit later on, but uh, it, it turns out that Knuckle Duster doesn't appear to have a quirk. He's just a strong, like, tough-as-nails old man. And uh, he and... He and uh, Knuckle Duster are tied up for a while as Koichi and Pop Step are chasing after this guy with the briefcase because it turns out Pop Pop Step is able to see all these pictures of these pop up villains and sees that dude with the briefcase in them. Um, so her and Koichi go chasing off uh, after that guy, and they bump into those same three chumps that got the. I mean, it's just like these same three villains. This is what meeting number four. With these guys, it's like either it's a really small town or these people always hang out in the same like three blocks. (laughs) I cannot believe they've run into them this many times in two days. So they they pop uh, the trigger themselves, and the dude, the bulky looking dude with the tiny flame hair, single hair, has now got a legit fire blazing on his head. And another one turns into an echidna, the Kirishima looking dude turns into like a a porcupine. And then the lizard man just gets more lizardy, I guess. Um, yeah. He doesn't have a very drastic transformation. Yeah, he just—he kind of looks like. Uh, oh, who was that X Men that turned into the, uh, the dinosaur? X Men that turned into a dinosaur. Or maybe it was an X Men villain that turned into a dinosaur. Oh, I mean, there's definitely a uh, shoot. Um, what? Oh man, now I feel terrible because I, I can see it's he turns into a pterodactyl. Is that the guy yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, what is his name? Now I feel now I feel terrible because I totally know exactly who you're talking about. Apparently his name is uh Carl Lycos. Yeah, but what's his Sauron? What's his Sauron, that's yeah, it. I was yeah, like, Sauron. I knew it's one of those names <laughs> that's shared across a couple properties and I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he kinda does. He kinda looks like Sauron there. Uh yeah, like it's just a big pterodactyl looking dude. Yeah, and uh Izawa ends up stopping the fight with Knuckle Duster because he only engaged in the fight because he thought that Knuckle Duster was using a quirk illegally. But now that he knows he wasn't using a quirk at all, he's just a tough old bastard. Then he's just like, well, okay, uh, move along then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because he has this moment where he's like, he just stops fighting him and he goes, well, I think I made a mistake here. Uh, we'll just let you, you know, go along. It doesn't look like you were breaking any laws. And Knuckle Duster is like, it happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then all of a sudden, like next panel, Knuckle Duster comes out of nowhere and he's like beating this, the big dude with a flame hair over the head with a brick. I mean, it just, it was so unexpected. I love that. Yeah. Aizawa comes in and he wraps up the, uh, the porcupine guy and, uh, that leads Sauron, um, who's now taken flight and is, uh, chasing after pop step. And, uh, she's, she bumps into the the dude with the suitcase and he ends up popping trigger himself and turns into this like giant four-armed jet black creepy yeah baby doll creepy no-eyed face thing um but he has this gigantification quirk and things get kind of hairy for a minute yeah he ends up like grabbing pop step and he's you know trying to basically wreck wreck face around the town i mean he's knocking over buildings and stuff while he's got a hold of her and he's also got a hold of uh this pterodactyl sauron guy and so and he, a car i and feel a car. like he's playing with action figures in this one because he's even making sound effects like yeah, pew, pew, yeah. pew and kaboom and swoosh <laughs> like this guy just turned into a giant but also a kid right right uh, well i mean they may they mentioned that trigger is basically the ability to boost your quirk but then dull your ability to make sense of things so maybe it's just <laughs> really affected this guy i don't know yeah uh, but it's he kind of up, awesome i really like that panel a lot i love i love in this panel too i think it's like this the very next one uh knuckle duster swings in kind of like batman would and like hits him in the face and, and uh and then this big monster just smacks him down like what was he expecting to accomplish here you know like this guy's a I mean, he's a monster, uh, and so he gets smacked down, and then the monster ends up throwing uh, Pop Step, right? and so Koichi sees this happen, or he just lets her go, and it's explained that with her quirk, you know, she could jump off something and she'd be fine, but she's just falling, so she's going to die, and so this is where Koichi reacts, and he has another hero moment where he gets down in that three-point step, and he actually uses his quirk, slides up the side of this wall, and like is able to use it to project himself off. She bounces off of him. And he says in this panel, like, you know, I did this because I want to be a hero. Uh, and I really, really like this because it ends with him at the very end, like saving the day, but then he's also falling. 
<laughs> yeah, but he managed to uh, pivot himself into a bunch of trash bags because he learns from the best, clearly. Clearly, yes. And I love earlier in the chapter one when Knuckle Duster falls in the trash, uh, the first time he falls into the, all those trash bags, one of the the like thug-like guys that were beating up on uh, Koichi and Pop Step earlier, he says something like, did he die? And then his head pops up and he just goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) Some of this I really, really desperately want to see animated. I hope I I really like even after reading one volume, I would I would I would be thoroughly entertained if this made it to uh, the anime stage. For sure. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, it seems really goofy, but I really like the perspective that it's offering. Like, it's just such a different look on the My Hero world. I really, really like it so far. And then uh, after Koichi is land safe in the trash bags you get a glare from aizawa and it literally just says glare a while ago on my earth nerd atkins twitter account i pasted a bu- or took a bunch of pictures from one of the dragon ball z mangas where there were like three panels where glare was just increasingly bigger like three different characters glared and apparently it got more and more intense um so it's just really funny that they just write glare um yeah. <laughs> and to communicate that and uh, that causes the dude's gigantification quirk to fail, so he shrinks back down. Aizawa wraps him up, and then um, he, Aizawa, and uh, Knuckle Duster have a short conversation about how Knuckle Duster is basically like, you know, we we do what the pro heroes can't. And um, I don't know that Aizawa fully grasps what he meant by that, um, but there's this really uh, funny kind of banter between the two of them about preemptive assault and dirty work and all this kind of stuff, and. Uh, it's pr- it's pretty good. I really liked. I think that those two will have future interactions that I will continue to like and enjoy. Reading. I think so too. Yeah, they seem like they could be really good friends. Like they totally meet up after a long day's hard work and have a beer together and complain about the job, knowing they're doing basically the same thing. You know? Yeah, definitely. And that kind of is the end of this particular chapter. Um, there's a little bit more discourse where like Pop Step doesn't quite get around to thanking Koichi for saving her life. Um, and again, Knuckle Duster is basically like, go on, man. You just want to admit, just go ahead and admit it that you want to be a hero. Um, yeah. And that leads us into chapter three, which is called Nice Guy Reborn and features Luffy. Um, Luffy's on the first little, I mean, it's obviously not, it's Luffy with a mustache, but it's definitely that character from One Piece is kind of featured in this first that page. That is him. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I did not realize that was Luffy. I did not catch that. That's cool. So uh, it just begins again with, uh, you know, a little bit more talk about heroes. This time, the big hero splash page includes in- Ingenium, um, which is uh, Ida's older brother in his cool uh, armor. And I think we had talked about how this takes place before my hero. It's definitely before Stan gets a hold of Ingenium. He's like in his cool, um, like, suit of armor looking armor stuff. Um, he's flanked by you're probably the top... I mean, the top three heroes for sure, and then also Midnight. He's got Midnight, All Might, Endeavor, Aizawa's there, and uh, is that Best Genus? Yeah. And I really like these next few panels. It was really reminiscent of Midoriya being a kid, because it's got Koichi, like, you know, I guess a younger Koichi uh, in his room, and he's got the All Might poster in the background. He's got his All Might, you know, jacket on with the All Might toys. Like, it just has a really good feeling of, of young Midoriya, like, really reminiscent of that. And then it moves into this scene that really had me cracking up of these like two knuckleheads fighting in the street. And I, I even screenshot it, sent it to Adkins. I was like, these guys are X-Men. They have to be X-Men. They they're, look just like them. It looks just like Wolverine and Cyclops, uh, who, you know, we all know that they've hated each other forever. Yeah. And uh, they're definitely, I mean, Wolverine's hat even has an X on it. For sure. Um Cyclops has, a, I guess they're maybe from two different schools, so his little insignia on his school uniform is slightly different. But the other, they're dishing it out, um, using their quirks in public in a you know a high school beef, basically. And a nice guy decides to show up on the scene. After, I guess, Pop Step like, warns him, right? I mean, they've kind of got like a system set up, it seems like. Yeah, I didn't notice that until you just said that, but she is kind of on a cell phone or maybe touching her ear to an earpiece. It's hard to tell. Oh, yeah, he's got an earpiece, yeah. too, so I guess that they're connected that way. So he's being warned by Pop Step, like, hey, there's this thing going down, so he's going to slide over there and break it up. And it cracked me up because he starts to slide toward them and it can't stop and slides right into a bunch of trash. I mean, they're they're useful for breaking. Right. Uh, they, right in, kind of in the middle of that, you get a kind of a short... Uh, flashback to where he gets some upgrades from Knuckle Duster, some padded gloves, and maybe some other pieces of armor to make that crashing and fighting part a little 
uh, a little less painful for him. Um, and the, the two X-Men are like, Hey man, what's the deal? And he introduces himself as the crawler, but they misunderstand him and they start calling him the cruller, like the donut. Uh, and that is a joke that will come up multiple times over the next two chapters. And it isn't ever not funny to me. Yeah. Like it's, it just that, that he keeps getting frustrated with, uh, with it is funny to so me. So in my translation, they don't end up calling him that they end up calling him the hauler because they think he hauls trash and they, they consistently make fun of him uh, because he crashed into the trash and they're like, what do you hear hauling the trash? Cause you missed. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. funny. I like that too. Both of those would work for me. I like the crawler just because it's a lot more phonetically close to the crawler. Yeah. And it just sounds like a misheard um, that they just stick See, with. See, I like the... Ho- so anyway, they... I was going to say, I like the holler a lot because he's known as this guy that just does these good deeds like picking up trash. So it totally makes yeah, sense, you know? it's true. Yeah, because they know who he is. Don't they say, aren't you the nice yeah, guy? Yeah, they're like, Don't oh yeah, that? that dude, he's the one that's always picking up the trash. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. Um, so they, they start whooping up on the crawler and continue to call him the crawler. Um, and uh, Knuckle Duster drops in and g- goes to just start whooping up on some junior high boys, I think. I think that they're, they're actually in middle school. They're labeled as junior high. Yeah, I think because it says something about them being like, oh, this is a middle school fight, not a high school fight. So, but he's he's intercepted by the crawler slash Koichi and Popstep intervenes and just starts talking to these boys. Um and who are just completely smitten with her because they're boys and she jumps around in panties and a like half of a mini skirt. It's not so. even like it full up. She's wearing lingerie. Like there's no question about it. Yeah. Like there was a time where it might've been most of a bathing suit. And then she just put this weird, like half attempt at a skirt around it. And, bat and then wings. there's dragon yeah, wings for reasons. Yeah. I think, I think I had read somewhere that she's modeled after another character, either a Betancourt's or one of the other creators, possibly of MHA, but Hmm. I I didn't really look it up. So that might explain the wings, possibly. Gotcha. But they're interrupted by another pop-up villain, this guy who had popped some uh, some trigger and is like hulking out. He's got rocks sticking out of his head and shoulders and forearms. Uh, And the first thing he does is unseat a baby from its stroller, but the crawler is there and manages to rescue the baby while knuckle duster just starts straight breaking this guy's face i also I mean it is violent it is super <laughs> violent and i i don't know how he was introduced in in your version but in mine it was really funny because he pops the trigger stuff and then he's like really huge and he's got all these like diamonds and stuff coming out of his shoulders and he just says i'm hard real hard and that's it and then and then the next yep. bit is just that's, that's pretty much what mine says oh, i love it i just thought that was so funny i'm like that if i was a villain that is not how i would lead off you know <laughs> but they get a look at his tongue after um knuckle duster uppercuts him at one point and it's like pitch black and they're all like yeah and so they're all like huh yeah that's that's the thing that you were telling us about so i mean knuckle duster is just like we we're taking this guy down hard and just gets in close to this guy and just goes to work on his face. And there's this panel where it almost looks like that scene from the fight with, um, with Chisaki where Midoriya threw like one punch, but it looked, am am I remembering that right? Or am I confusing this with one punch? It wasn't there a scene where it looked like Midoriya's fist was like multiple fists during that uh, Chisaki fight. Or am I misremembering There was, that was the Chisaki fight. So, it kind of looks like I just watched uh, some uh, One Punch Man not too long ago, and I know that there's a scene where that looks like uh, that same visual uh, thing goes on with multiple fists, and he's just like punching this guy yeah. I mean, until he de superifies. I mean, goes back down to 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 conjure up my own Adam word. Um, <laughs> his quirk his quirk fails him, and he just turns into this guy who is just. They can't even identify him on his ID because his face is all swollen and bloodied, and I mean it's really violent. It I gotta say though, I like the way that they, that Knuckle Duster explains it because when he's fighting this guy, he's like, "Okay, so I know you have to activate your quirk because otherwise, uh, how does he state it? He says something along the lines of like, "I know you have to mentally think about your quirk to activate it. So if I can just knock you unconscious, we'll be good." So he just wails on his face until he's unconscious, and that's why his quirk stops working, which I thought was pretty not ingenious, but it was it was brutal for sure. I liked the part of his explanation where he basically said the same thing to him that Cell did to Vegeta and Trunks when they went that ascended yeah. Super Saiyan for the first yeah, time. Like you're too bulky. Where they were just like. Yeah, you're too bulky. You you don't have enough practice with this form. You traded uh, speed for power, and he just 
just, I mean, just obliterates this guy's face. This is the time where at the beginning of the episode, I said, like, he goes a little too far. This is one of those moments where I'm like, dang, dude, like, dial it back yeah. a little bit. And the X-Men seem to agree with me because they're watching in horror yeah, they are. on the sidelines as this guy's face is just getting demolished. Now, what's really awful, though, is, and I'm looking at it right now, the picture of that guy who, I mean, once he has, like, de-escalated from this colossal size... Uh, he just looks like a normal human, but he looks like Mineta. And it's this poor guy's face that's like literally been beaten to a pulp. But he's got these like swollen lips and stuff, just his hair, everything about him. He just kind of looks like Mineta to me. I don't know why. I can see that. It's that, yeah, it's that kind of bubbly looking hair. Yeah. And um, Knuckle Duster does like zip tie the guy's hands together and then the cops come. So they got to get out of there. Um, so they run off. Um, and there's. Um, I think that's pr- no, that's not quite the end of this this chapter. Um, I was going to say I think that's about it, but it's not because the two two of the cops that show up on the scene to deal with this are faces that we're familiar with. One of them is Sukoichi, or at least the character that whose name we pronounce as Sukoichi, um, and <laughs> which is the detective. Um, and then the other one is Sansa Tamakawa, who we know better as the cat who inexplicably chose to wear a bell the because even though he's a human who just looks like a cat, so. They come onto the scene, and uh, this is where I said earlier they they have this discussion about vigilantes and Suko is basically just like you know these these people they're what they do is illegal you know their vigilantism is a crime right. is how he says it. Do you think that it would be considered inappropriate to suggest that the cat cop possibly uses catnip? I mean, what he does in his privacy of his own uh, his own multi tiered carpeted apartment <laughs> is his business. That's awesome. Yeah. I was just, I just, this thought, like I was looking at him and I'm like, man, I just, I could see that. I don't know why I could see that, but I could, it would just be this weird <laughs> thing that goes on that Sukoichi puts up with. He's like, ah, I don't tell. Cause he's a great cop. <laughs> That's pretty funny. The very end of this chapter is pretty great though. It is just this page where pop step is looking uh, on social media or is getting texts from the two X-Men and uh, they're they're basically, um, you know, what what are those? Yeah, what do they think of the new heroes, the two X Men guys that are texting Pop Step? And she says they're calling you two Freaky Fist Grandpa and the Cruller, and that made me laugh pretty. Yeah, good. that's funny. They they called him the Hauler again in this scene for me, and I thought that was pretty funny. The fact that they're texting it's- with. Uh, pop step is kind of creepy though like i don't know there's just something weird about the fact that they're these two like kids texting pop step who is actively talking back to them and using them to get to the villains perhaps as we will see in in issue four true and issue four is a little different paced um we get to see a little bit more of the or chapter four rather it's just called honesty and we get to see a little bit more of the everyday life of koichi which i really love the opening panel to the chapter four because it has him like returning home and as he's returning home he walks in like it's it's showing him walking to his house or his apartment and it turns out that it's up on top of this old abandoned building and it kind of just looks like if you've ever seen a building that is really tall, a lot of times they'll put like a trailer on top for people to be able to go in and get refreshments or snacks, eat lunch, whatever, that are working on the building. It just looks like one of those that they never took down. It doesn't look like a real apartment. Oh, it it definitely is a converted deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he he thinks he got a great deal on it though i don't i didn't convert the like the yen or whatever currency he mentioned to american dollars but he spent it sounded like it was quite it a bit it seemed like he um, was happy with it for that space yeah yeah, uh, he definitely was until he found out nobody wanted to go up there because it's creepy as hell. Right, and I'm guessing he doesn't think about it because he uses his quirk to get up to the top. Right, right. Yeah, he just kind of puts his hands and feet on opposite walls in an alleyway and slides his way up so he doesn't have to ascend the spooky stairs in the abandoned building right. which is what normies would have to do and i love here when he first shows up to his apartment uh there's just this guy that's like eating his food and drinking his beer and he's just like who who are you and he goes all right i guess i'm gonna you're a thief i'm gonna call 911 and he starts to call 911 and this guy like takes the bandana and puts it over his face and he's like oh take it easy it's just me it's just me and uh, very clearly, it is now a knuckle duster. However, beforehand, he would never have had a clue. I know. I love this conceit where, because we've we've all joked for years. It's just like, how does nobody know who so-and-so is when all he does is have a tiny little mask over his eyes? Um, so you get that conceit with knuckle duster. And then again, with pro step later, uh, pop step, when she comes up to the apartment and he's like, who are you? And then she just puts the little 
bandana around her eyes and he's like oh it's you yeah well and i love too because in this he puts the bandana around uh, and he's like i'll just keep it on so that way you know i'm not some suspicious character and koichi goes you've been suspicious yeah. from day one <laughs> and then yeah, he's that's, like how that's pretty how good. did you get in my apartment my door was locked and he looks over and the window's been busted out <laughs> Which is great. I liked that scene a lot too, especially that he just grabs tape to fix it. Like he's just going to tape over the hole. Well, like, I mean, who else is going to come up there and break in, right? And then the doorbell rings or someone's knocking and it's Pop Step and she looks like she's just coming from school. I mean, that's she looked like she was dressed up like someone that was in school anyways. Yeah, I think so. She's in what, what I would, at a glance, without much knowledge, call a schoolgirl uniform, yeah. like with a... A little short tie and very standardized, like long sleeve, dark blouse and a, you know, skirt. And and she just wants a place to change. She has set up a curtain already, like uh, on the other side of this apartment. And she's like, this is, she does that thing where siblings do if you share a room where you're like, there's this line, imaginary line, you know, down the middle of the room. You keep your stuff on your side of the line and we won't have any problems. Except her line is a curtain of some sort that she's already erected in, in Koichi's house. Yeah, and not only is that existing there, but apparently uh, Knuckle Duster has had moved in a bunch of his stuff as well because she's complaining that it's on her side of the, the building. And throughout this whole time, I love it because Koichi is like, yeah, like I said, guys, this is my house. Why are you here? You know, like throughout this entire chapter, he constantly is just reminding them, like this, this is my house, and so there she's getting changed, and uh, her and Knuckle Duster start to fight, and he says, "All right, well, I'm about to head to work, but and and they cut him off, and they just go, all right, so go." And Knuckle Duster says, "I'll allow it," and he goes, "Yeah, but but this is my house, <laughs> like get out of here." That's <laughs> <laughs> great. This this is pretty fun. Um, this this it's it's definitely higher comedy. Um. In, in this, just this short mundane, you know, part yeah. of their lives, you know, what the, the mundanity that we see in my hero is the school life stuff. And, uh, this is, this is that, but with older adults, I still don't know how old pop step is. Um, I think she's gotta be she's like in college, high school college. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. yeah. But I bet, well, most of the time the wikis don't have their birth year, just their month and day. Um, but I'll, I'll look into that. Maybe we can learn that before next week. Okay. So in my translation, I was going to tell you that, uh, they are, they actually translated the, uh, rate at what he spent. So in here it says, uh, I heard there's a penthouse open near the city center station for only 45,000 yen a month. Apparently approximately translated. That is about $392, uh, American us. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah that's a that steal. A steal. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, but they in this scene here, they've got him like transitioning, walking out of his his penthouse, as they call it in this. And he's talking about how like he thought that college life would be totally different uh, once he moved in here. And it, it kind of shows the sequence of like him getting the steel of the house and he gets the spare key for his girlfriend or who he thinks may be his girlfriend. And it's no one in particular. She doesn't exist yet. She's, he just has this like imaginary life that he has, has built up in his head. And he goes to campus and he's he's like, oh, man life's about to bloom this is going to be great and he meets all these people and then he starts walking them back to his apartment and they like won't go up there because it's in this abandoned building and then rumors get out that he was trying to force these you know girls and guys both into this abandoned building and that he's kind of a creep and it just it gets worse and worse from there so he's become this like weird outcast and the key's really important because he's trying to give this key to Knuckle Duster as he leaves to lock up. And Knuckle Duster's like, nah, I don't need it. Yeah, it's, that whole scene is really funny. Um, it, it, like, he goes out with friends. They all get drunk. And they're like, oh, man, my, my place is right here. And then there's the shot of that building that he's pointing up to. And it's all darkened. And it just says gloom in, like, big letters coming down it. And they're like, the hell not, yeah. man. We're not going up there. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> And then, then he feels like he has second thoughts about his, his little cool apartment. He feels like it's much too big now because there's nobody to share it with. And now with these two people in there, it's too small, which is a really funny comedic swing in my opinion too. Yeah, so college life for him is uh, very different now than he ever expected it to be with these two intruders. And I don't even know that they're intruders yet, but he, you can tell that he's kind of unsure on, on both fronts. Um, but pop step gets all dressed up. She's ready to go out. She's got a live performance to do. And Koichi is just heading out as normal. And it seems like knuckle duster is just going to stay at home and hang out in, in Koichi's house for a little while. 
Yeah, he's just chilling, man. He's got his new new pad to crash. I'd be curious to see where he's been staying. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder. I'm curious about that person where he stayed the night before. And I imagine that he's probably like. There's a scene that plays out where he finds like you know a can of beans or something, and he he lifts that mask up just high enough to eat them, like in a uh, Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. And then Popstep just goes off to have another illegal uh, concert on the sidewalk. Now they're only illegal and because she draws she's huge using crowds. her quirk, right? Um, I mean, in in the United States, you don't have to have a quirk. If you perform on a sidewalk, you don't have permits in some places. They're That's illegal. Fair. So maybe it's double illegal, like breaking two That's, laws. That could be true. And I'm pretty sure that it's been pretty labeled. The only reason that people show up is because she's half naked and jumps around. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they um, there's she does have merchandise because a bunch of them are wearing headbands that say pop. And they're all holding sticks for some reason. Is this like a... Uh, um, I, that was the thing I could not figure out. They look like is drumsticks. what this stick thing yeah, was. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but she's not a drummer or nothing. I don't know. Maybe she's just ha- holding this outside of a percussionist <laughs> studio, and th- they all play drums, and they're like, "Hey, we'll be your drummer," but that's not said explicitly anywhere. Anyway, um, they uh, there's a, a young man in the crowd, um, a very young man, especially com- relative to the people around him, it looks like anyway. And he just wants to get up to shake her hand. So he goes to tries to squeeze through all these people and gets, um, you know, pushed back. And the X-Men are there uh, to basically explain like, dude, we get it. She's gorgeous, but you can't just like push your way up there. You got to, you know, you got to treat her like a lady. And then Cyclops does this gigantic eye beam, which is like a light show. And that's how pop step, uh, interprets it anyway. He's totally smitten. The Cyclops character is like head over heels for pop step for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, and I guess this kid somehow gets a hold or got a hold of some of this trigger drug. And, and so he's just like, all right, I'm going to do it. You know, like I'm, I'm going to, and he, he pops this, uh, needle in his neck, injects the drug and then turns into like this giant eel. Yeah, it's like a lamprey, man. It's, it's really, really gross freaky. looking. And and it didn't look like he really had a quirk, like a physical quirk before this. Like I'm, I didn't think so when either. He went to go like if this were the anime and you couldn't see on the page that in the next uh panel he's a giant lamprey with arms. Like there's not really a clue besides maybe a lolling tongue that's sticking out of his head a little bit that he has any quirk whatsoever. Maybe he's just really slimy. Yeah. I don't have no I don't idea. Know. But anyway, yeah. he turns into a really creepy looking lamprey. And he goes after her. I mean, like he says he wants a handshake, but I feel like there's some definitely some like intentions here, if you know what I mean. Like there it's weird the way that oh, they've yeah. gotten this drawn up kind of. And so she starts running away and he's chasing after her. And it's like they they go past like a convenience store or something. And Koichi's just walking out. He's like, what the hell? And as they like run by, you know. So uh, he ends up suiting up in his what I often is referred to as All Might cosplay, and that really cracks me up. Uh so yeah. he's he's suited up and he's going after them. Um, and it, and then the X-Men show up and they're like, oh wow, the crawler's here. And then <laughs> Knuckle Duster shows up behind them and he's like, I'm here too. I don't know. It just, everyone's <laughs> yell, just there. They yell, wah, fist geezer in this version. And it's really yeah. funny. Like he scares yeah, them. They, they say, uh, wah is the big fisted old geezer. That's what they called him. So they try to grab a hold of Knuckle Duster and Koichi try to grab a hold of this lamprey guy, but he proves too slippery. Um, and they end up coming up with this plan because they keep hearing the lamprey say that they just want. He just wants to shake her hand. So somewhere they get pop step by herself and they're like, just give the man a handshake and maybe, maybe he'll let this be. But of course, like you were alluding to earlier, that's, I mean, it may start with a handshake. I mean, I'm, I'm famous for telling a student in my ministry a few years ago who, who was excitedly told me that he and his girlfriend had held hands for the first time. And I looked at him with, I mean, I'm a pretty good like poker face. Um, that's how I sell a lot of my, a lot of my lies when I'm just trying to pull stuff over <laughs> on people. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, you know, that's how girls get pregnant. Right. And he was just like, what? And I was like, yeah, man, it starts with a handshake, but it's a slippery slope. You gotta be careful. Oh man. That's evil. And, uh, that's how he, he, the lamprey thing shakes this girl's hand. Um, and then immediately he's just like, now how about a hug or how about a kiss? Like it just escalates that yes. fast because as I wisely and correctly told that student many years ago, Physical touch is a slippery slope. Um, so uh, Koichi ends up dumping a bunch of flour on this guy to kind of mitigate or um, rob him of his his general slipperiness. And then uh, Knuckle Duster does his thing where he just 
punches him uh, into submission. So now he's naked and bound. Yeah, that <laughs> seems to be the common theme. Uh, isn't the best like <laughs> coupling of words ever. So out of curiosity, yeah, yeah. Uh, on yours, there's a moment where uh, it shows uh, Pop Step and she's she's remembering them telling her like, oh, just you know, give him this handshake. And uh, oh, yep, I know exactly what you're okay, gonna, well, say. I was gonna say. Yep, it's in this here. Moment, <laughs> Go ahead and tell everybody so that there's this moment where the X Men kids are like, Yeah, he just wants a you know, a, a handshake. So maybe if you just do that, grant his wish, he'll be satisfied. And Knuckle Duster says, And while you're at it, you might as well as let him grow up your ass, too. There's plenty to go around. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> It's slightly different in this version. It says, maybe just let him squeeze your can once or twice. It's not like you'll lose oh, it. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> Knuckle Duster. They're both pretty great. Oh, he's going to be a character, man. So the villain has so been this... destroyed by Knuckle Duster's hands. And I, I love that there's a moment uh, in here where I think it's the Sukoichi guy is, is talking. And he's like, what is the common denominator between all of these people that have been caught? And I think it's the cat that's like, well, all of them have been bound and naked. <laughs> I don't see that in mine. Hmm. Huh. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I do okay, see, I, actually, I see you know, that it's now. It's not Sukoichi. It, it, yeah, it's hard to tell who yeah, it is. Yeah, it's hard to tell who it is. Maybe it's not Sukoichi. But hmm. there's definitely... It's got to be one of those There's definitely two. someone talking about how at the scene of the crime, there are always naked yeah. people. Like, always these naked, tied-up villains, which just cracked me up. Yeah, it's funny. It's just uh, kind of naked is what they say in here, which is even funnier to me than if they had just said that they, that they were yeah. naked. Um, so this, this chapter wraps up with, uh, all three of the vigilantes back up in Koichi's apartment and they're all in different states of trying to get clean and there's laundry going and, um, Koichi's there's, there's infighting again about whose stuff is where and Koichi steps outside and he's just like this college lifestyle, you know, that I expected wasn't anything like this, but at the same time it is what it is. And he's kind of looking up with a smile um, of kind of like appreciation and acceptance of this new, this new turn in his life as he's looking at uh, the three of their uniforms, like air drying out on a uh, clothing rack outside. Yeah. And uh, that's where this first arc kind of ends in vigilantes. So uh, what do you think? What's first impressions? I, I really enjoyed this. It felt kind of like, uh, maybe this is going to sound kind of weird, but like this kind of feels like the old TV show. Oh, what's I'm going to blink. It's a, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. It feels like Seinfeld, but in my hero, like you've got Koichi, who's this kind of Seinfeld-ish character. Knuckle Duster feels like Kramer, and then you've got uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, I'm totally blanking. Elaine, yeah, is is step or not step up, but uh, pop pop step. I don't know why I can't get her yeah. name down. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of got this really like kind of goofy vibe to it that like I just like it. It's it's a little gritty at times. Uh, it's really funny at other times. I'm I'm enjoying it. I I actually genuinely want to keep reading this, even if we don't cover it every week. I agree. I I am really enjoying this. I appreciate it for being different from my hero, but also very much like it, and not just in that first chapter where it was a mirror, um, you know, treatment of that that first whatever episode, if you want to call it or chapter. Um, but it is there's enough that is familiar, but it it deviates in ways from uh, my hero proper, if you want to call it that, or my hero prime in ways that are interesting to me that I definitely think that I will stay tuned for regardless of whether or not, like you said, that, that we recorded. I think that this would be just an entertaining read, yeah. um, uh, just an entertaining alternative perspective on the world of heroes and villains. Because like, again, we're, we're following people who are kind of both. And I think that that's, um, that's kind of fascinating to me. I've always been a fan of, or at least appreciated, um, anti-heroes or, um, you know, heroes who break bad or villains who turn over a good leaf, um, or really struggle with that line a lot. Like that's why I think Vegeta is a much better character than Goku ever could possibly be because he's just, he has that that duality that kind of always, at least for a while, it might be changing some now, um, but he's always kind of flirting with that line of good guy, bad guy. Um, and Goku is just, you know, he's just goody two shoes. I don't like him. Um, I don't like him as much as Vegeta, I'll say. But Vegeta is just a more intriguing character because of that tension, right? You don't know... You, you, you know that he's going to do things that you're probably going to disagree with. Or if you do agree with them, it's very utilitarian and could very easily be considered morally bad. Like on Namek, when he's just like, we need to kill these Ginyu Force guys or they're just going to come back yeah. later. 
I'm with him on that, but that doesn't mean that the heroic thing to do is to kill right. them. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's the, the, the thing with Vegeta, and this is obviously not my hero at all, but we're talking about this, right? So, like, the thing with Vegeta is that he has got options. Goku doesn't, and you know that, right? Like, Goku's always going to do the same thing. He is that classic good guy, never falters, so he's not going to do the wrong thing. Whereas with Vegeta, you're like, I don't know, he might just lose it this time around. Or even Piccolo. I mean, at one point in time, Piccolo was going to destroy the world, so... Yeah, Vegeta comes back to it again and again, yeah. though. That's what I really like. Like the Majin Vegeta oh, thing. Oh, man, that's such a great, oh, yeah. Don't get me started. Man, that's incredible. It's so it good. Is good. <laughs> it's really good. So, but anyways, yeah, so, so. Vigilantes, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think we should cover more. Like, say next week, we cover the next four chapters for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure out another another bite-sized chunk somewhere and invite folks. This is There's still one chapter left in Volume 1, so if you do want to follow along, you could pick up it and probably Volume 2. We certainly won't get through Volume 2 in another episode, no, so not. we're trying to keep this around an hour like usual. Um, and it would be really hard to tread five chapters worth of material in that amount of time. So I will say the uh, the website that I'm reading this on does some cool stuff. And I don't know if they did this for you in, in your copy of it, where they include some of the direct translations and how they mean and why they translated it. So, for instance, like on that last page, uh, there's a bit here where... Popstep and Knuckle Duster are kind of fighting, and Knuckle Duster says, "Who cares? You're already a pissy little girl, anyways." And it's got an asterisk next to it. And then in the like side section, it says, "Knuckle Duster uses the expression Shobanukase," which I totally butchered, but we're gonna go with that. Uh, and they say, uh, <laughs> which literally means reeks of urine, but it implies that the person is being immature. So it was just kind of cool little like notes on the translation there that I thought was kind of neat. See, that's interesting. The translation for that line in here is you're barely out of diapers. Huh, okay. Interesting. So, but anyway, yeah, I mean, lots of different translation stuff. That's, that's always going to be interesting if you're familiar with the original language and then read it in yeah. English. Um, but let's, um, let's wrap this episode up with the casting. And we had ended off last episode talking about looking to cast Aoyama, Yuga Aoyama. Yeah, that was so a hard do one. Do you have somebody in I mind? I do. I actually spent more time thinking about this one than any of the others, only because I, I, I guess I hadn't really put too much thought into it previously. Some of the other ones I'd already really cast, uh, like I just had an immediate casting for them. But I actually just kind of came up with this casting last night. Uh, so I, I chose Eddie Redmayne. Um, he was in the most recent Harry Potter films as Newt Scamander. Uh, he was in Les Miserables, uh, The Theory of Everything is Stephen Hawking. Uh, so he's been in a, a bunch of stuff. I think he'd be great for Aoyama. Huh. I'm not familiar with literally any of those things that you just said. Um, <laughs> never really got into Harry Potter or it, I don't think anything that you said that I've seen. So I had to Google this yeah, guy. The only other thing I can think of that he was in that was kind of popular was Jupiter Ascending, but I thought that movie was an abomination, so I wasn't going to mention it. Yeah. I, I heard that, so I never <laughs> yeah, watched it. Was a it. I am actually... I'm going to lean heavy into Stranger Things for this casting. Okay. You had cast uh, Finn as... Uh, Minetta. Who was it that you cast? Minetta. Minetta. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could he could possibly pull off Aoyama, but I think Joe Keery could actually do better. He plays Steve. Um, oh, that's awesome. And, I really like that. Yeah, I think I've seen him. Man, I really wish... Um, what's the name of that guy? Because there was a, a guy that I was like, dude, he would be so good in this. Um, he was in Parks and Rec. He played... Um, he played the, just, uh, the Jean-Ralphio guy. And that dude would be such a good Aoyama, but he's older, so he 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 doesn't like really fit for my casting rules. You know? Yeah, that makes um, sense. I'm trying to. I'm trying. I'm to not find familiar what that guy's with name Parks is. and Rex at all. Oh, this guy. It's Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz, I think, would be a really funny Aoyama. I also thought that um, the another funny cast is is um the dude from i mean he's in a million things he's in pineapple express uh digga, 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 what's that guy's name not not uh man what the heck is that dude's name james franco? Totally yeah james franco <laughs> james franco with a blonde wig that's funny i think would be really funny i can kind of see that i had a really but again he's the too other old. one that i thought of he's way too old now but i wouldn't have i could see him playing aoyama from let me see, 1993, there's an old Disney movie named Hocus Pocus. It's like one of my favorite Halloween movies. So yeah. there is a character in that movie uh, that is one of the bullies, and he goes by Jay. 
And just that actor from that movie, I feel like, could have played a great Aoyama. His name's Tobias Jelinek now. Well, not now. I mean, I guess his name's always been Tobias Jelinek. But yeah, I'm I'm looking at him. Uh, now. He's been in a handful of other things since then. It looks like he was in Stranger Things. Actually, I didn't didn't realize that. Uh, but when he was in that movie, so it would have to be him from that movie. He could play a great Aoyama. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Just you're you're looking almost primarily at that blonde. Yeah, hair, I though. am. That's all it is. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there's something about that. Like in the back of my head, I kept thinking that he would be great. That's so great. who are we going to cast next I, week? I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of, I gotta be honest. I'm running out of teenish aged actors. Yeah. Well, what about, <laughs> actor, uh, cause I don't really watch a bunch of stuff what about anymore. One of the teachers. We could do Vlad King. We haven't done Vlad yet. Vlad. All right. Let's do Vlad. I like Vlad. That sounds like fun. He could be, I can, I'm like, I'm looking at pictures of Vlad King now and I could see. A lot of different people. I, I, all right. I'm pretty sure I know who my Vlad King is already. Okay. I got it. All right. I'm going to sit okay. on it, though. All right. We'll see if we come up with the same okay. person. All right. Let's do it. Oh, man, I'm finding some creepy pictures of Vlad and <laughs> Endeavor for some reason. Uh, you you got to be careful. Oh, Just you, you don't have the best history of searching things safely. You so. are right. All right. Well, that wraps us up for the, uh, this week. Uh, you guys have a good one. We'll see you here in a few. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.